Men and women compare themselves to people all the time. And that's really the key is to stop that comparison of the outside, but really compare to where are you today? Where were you yesterday? And where is it that you want to go tomorrow? Because it's all about what's going on with you and really no one else at the end of the day. That's Linda Yates, the Image Energizer. She's an international keynote speaker, executive coach, author, and corporate trainer. Linda has produced over 250 educational seminars on helping individuals and businesses uncover, realize, and accomplish their goals. She has motivated over 10,000 individuals representing Fortune 500 companies throughout North America, including Tyco, Wells Fargo, Microsoft, Fannie Mae, and Century 21 on their internal processes and corporate initiatives. She is also an adjunct instructor at Florida Atlantic University. You're listening to the Multifamily Leadership Podcast with Patrick Antrim, your source for success strategies for multifamily professionals, CEOs, executive leaders, and aspiring leaders that want to drive high-performance results for their property or portfolio. This is Patrick Antrim, founder and CEO of Multifamily Leadership and producer of the Multifamily Leadership Summit where we celebrate the best places to work multifamily. Welcome to the Multifamily Leadership Podcast, where I speak with executive leaders, authors, and business leaders on the topics that advance leadership in multifamily. It is our goal to give you insights into what top leaders are doing to drive financial results and great resident experiences for their portfolios. Now, if you want to get access to other resources, such as videos, articles, show notes, other episodes of this podcast, and information on working with me or having me keynote your next event, you can visit multifamilyleadership.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash multifamily. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player, wherever you listen. Get your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash multifamily. You can also access the link in the show notes at multifamilyleadership.com. We're talking today about confidence and reaching your potential. So I think everyone, I don't know about you guys, but... I think we all like to reach our potential, right? I mean, we're chasing success or we're, we're either moving away from some pain or you know, a job we don't like or some, something that we're trying to change in our life or we're, we've got that desire for more. We, we're listening to podcasts like this and we want more out of life and business. And so, Linda, what do you think we need to do to pay more attention to our self-image well, that is the question of the year, right? I think that what happens is, is sometimes we get so busy just moving on with life that maybe we don't take time to really stop and do an eval and check in with ourselves. And really, I think one of the things, too, that keeps people from perhaps reaching what they see or perceive as success is their own insecurities mm. and the the thought that you know what that's never going to happen or they start letting something some boundary of some sort come in the way whether it's self-imposed 
or it's they're playing a an old record or perhaps someone made a comment to them once that basically said, oh, you can never do that. And they believed it. And they believe those lies. Right. That old record. I mean, that's that mm-hmm. starts young, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me, yeah. do men and women, do they do we do we play that record differently? Is it different for men and women? I can't speak for both, but you, yeah, I know well, you've done a lot of research. And- I, I, I have done a lot of research. And actually what I have found that is that it is extremely similar. Maybe the types of records are different for men versus women, but, but we each have records nonetheless. So, for instance, it's feeling like you're good enough, right? Or in whatever case that may be. And for some reason believing or buying into the fact that that you're not, and it comes back to believing those lies. Now, for for a woman, it might be the fact that they may feel like they're not smart enough for some reason, or that they weren't they weren't pretty enough, or they didn't receive enough emotional support, if you will. Whereas a, a gentleman might feel like he's just that he's. He doesn't have enough power, and and he was never picked, perhaps, on an athletic team if you know he was going out for sports, or he was always the last one picked, or or he's again. But men and women compare themselves to people all the time, and that's really the key is to stop that comparison of the outside, but really compare to where are you today, where were you yesterday, and where is it that you want to go tomorrow? Because it's all about what's going on with you and really no one else at the end of the day. Right. What. Why do we listen to those records? I mean, I, I have to imagine that these stories or sometimes old stories of this record that you mentioned were playing in our heads if that's from wherever our background comes from. Because everybody has a different frame of reference. Like you said, if we weren't picked for the team or this positional power, all these things that sort of undermine our potential. What, how do these self-perceptions actually impact our potential, though? Well, they, they hold us back because we start buying into or believing that, oh, maybe they're right. And so then we don't take risks, right? And so, or, we, have this, so we have this sort of story in our head nobody else knows about. Right. And then evidence appears that supports that. And we go, yep, we're right. See, I'm not right. good enough. Or <laughs> Right. I have, a, I have actually an, an example to share with you about that. I, one of my clients, I coach a lot of different individuals on different types of things. And one of the areas that I coach a lot on is giving presentations and standing up in front of an audience and trying to engage an audience and either inform an audience, sell to an audience, whatever the case may be, entertain. And one of my clients came to me and made the comment that folks were asking him to compete in in an entertaining type contest. It was actually a humorous contest. And he said, I'm not funny. And I said, well, that's head trash. He said, what do you mean? I said, you telling yourself right now that you're not funny is head trash. Where did that story ever come from? And then as we started developing a speech and he went and he competed and he won the top slot. I mean, over over 3,000 different other contestants. So again, if he had bought into that head trash of thinking he wasn't funny, he would never stepped out of himself and tried it. 
and and move forward and conquered, quite frankly. Wow, this coaching is sometimes just helping people get out of their own way. I mean, I would imagine, but um, so in a situation like that, I mean, he's going up against he's a he's in a competitive environment, and and you're a speaker. You speak all over the world, probably. I, I imagine you've traveled a lot, and you're on these stages, and you're a professional speaker, and you're helping companies. But basically, every individual when they go to work, essentially every day is an opportunity for daily improvisation or. Uh, you know, speaking in a management meeting or speaking in front of the customer. How how does that? I mean, if you're not, I mean, it's you're really doing more speaking than we really know that we are, right? Right, right, all the time. And right. you know, and it's a it's amazing too that one of the highest statistics of what people are afraid of seventy two percent have agoraphobia, which is a fear of public speaking. So you probably heard the old story. So that means that the person. At the funeral, would rather be the person in the coffin than the one giving the eulogy, right? right. So if 72% of us fear this, but this is a part of our life every day, and a lot of us have that introvertness, or again, something may have happened when you were a kid. Maybe you said some word, you pronounced some word in not the correct way, and so you've got that little that little hinge in your head, that little barrier in your head thinking, well, I'm not very articulate or I stumble over my words or I mumble or whatever the case may be. And again, we let that head trash get in the way. Right. And, and those of us that, I mean, do you think that we just don't, we're not good at it and so we fear it or we just don't appreciate the process or is it that we think it's something else. I mean, like I said before, I mean, people are, are they'll, they'll say, I'm not funny, or these types of things to themselves, this internal dialogue. But at the same time, they'll go to a sales presentation and knock it out of the park. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, Mal- Malcolm Gladwell talked about in Outliers how it takes 10,000 hours, mm. right, to really conquer something. Sure. I'm curious, what is this inside out communication? Well, that inside out is that. Think back to when you were maybe three years old. And at a, at a three-year-old level, you, the world was yours. You could do anything that you wanted to do. The only one that was really telling you no was your, was your caregivers, right? Your mom, your mom or your dad or whoever it was in your day giving, you know, providing care for you. But, but the world, the world was so new and exciting and you were very daring and you didn't, you didn't believe because there was so much to, to experience. Everything was very magical. And what happens is that eventually gets beat out of us, right? So think about, there's this great little video clip that I like to show a lot a lot of times when I speak, it's about Jessica's affirmations. And Jessica is a three-year-old standing in front of the mirror and she's starting her morning routine with, I like my hair. I like my house. I like my baby brother. I like my whole, I like McDonald's. I mean, she's just going on and on and on about all these wonderful things. And she goes, I'm the best. I am better than anybody else. And she stamps off. And these are, the, this YouTube video has been titled Jessica's Affirmation. And they're, they're real, it's, it's very poignant because at some point in our life, around about four or five, six years old, right, we start comparing ourselves with someone else. 
and we start listening to people saying, you're mean. Oh, well, am I, am I mean? Or, you know, you, you're stupid or whatever the case may be. And we start internalizing those. So inside out is all about getting rid of and touching back base back to that three-year-old Patrick, that three-year-old Linda, in that I'm, that the world is still magical and the only person holding me back is me. And that at the end of the day, I really get to choose how I let the circumstances around me impact me. Think about the people that you would say are successful, right? Like an Oprah Winfrey, you know, billions of dollars. And her start in life was she was raped she had a child. I mean, she was born into poverty. And who would have ever thought that she could raise out of that? It had to start within her before it could become her outside world. Wow. And another, another uh, aspect, too, and I've actually just kind of tripped across this, and I'm quite frankly been meditating on this myself. I've been thinking a lot about this, that people that are happy are successful. In other words, a lot of times we get that backwards. We think that we have to be successful before we can be happy. Mm. But quite frankly, it's the other way around. Once we are happy, happy and we choose to embrace whatever it is in our life, in our mind, in our heart, in our circumstances, and we find the happy there, we then will attract the success. Wow. Let me, how do you, are there steps or is it a process? I mean, just listening to this podcast, it brings awareness to, you know, that inner dialogue, that, uh, that youth um, individual, the, the, the sure. can do the, um, you know, the, the, the superhero when you, you, you grow up when you're young and you think you can, uh, you know, have the force and do the things that you need to do. Right. And so, what are there, are there steps that people can do to have more awareness of this? Just think about it, write it down, uh, think about maybe ways that uh, you know your life or business or career has been impacted from those sort of self sabotaging thoughts about um, you know I'm not I'm not funny or whatever that might be that we place on ourselves. Right. Is there a process through that? Th- there is. There's several different things. One of the couple. Of- Examples that that have been extremely effective in in the work that I've been able to been blessed to been participate in with the different clients that I've been such a incredible opportunity to work with is I am statements and so I am and you start reprogramming hmm. I am confident I am and if you're wanting to grow your your business or you grow your bottom line I am a money making machine. Or perhaps you're wanting to improve your health in some way. You want to lose some weight. You want to gain some weight. You want to have better sleep habits. Whatever the case may be, I am perfect health. So instituting I am statements. And I encourage you that you do at least three of them. And it's every day. And you write them down. You look at them a couple times a day. But you look in the mirror at yourself and you say them. Because no one can say for you, I am. That is solely a, a personalized statement, I am. So I am statements are really key. Another great process is to think about 
again, a lot of times we just kind of take life as it comes and we just let life happen to us instead of making it happen for us. And to think about what you want to think about the end of your life, whatever the end of your life is, is it 85, is it 105, whatever it is, and then start rolling the clock backwards. What do you want to achieve at 100, at 95, at 90, at 85, and so on and so forth, back to the age that you are now, and then you have a vision of where it is you want to go, and you start programming your mind towards what it is that you're wanting to achieve. Mm, that's good stuff. I, you know, Now that we've gone through all of that, I mean, um, inside out, looking back at our old limiting stories that we're telling others, and th- these things affect our confidence, it affects our potential, our ability to do well in certain situations. Why do you think it's important for us to think quickly, though? I mean, is it to overcome, uh, you know, the... The other person, if, if it's they're younger and they're thinking of, hey, you know, you're not good at that, or do you need to think on your feet to overcome that, or is it internal dialogue? But why do we need to think on our feet better? I mean, is, we're living in a fast world, and yeah, conversations true. are going quickly. and Yeah, that's true. Because we may not get another opportunity to really step up and step to the plate, right? You played baseball, mm. right? Yeah. <laughs> so. I, like you. I like it. Step up to the plate. <laughs> Because if you're if you hesitate, rather than taking charge, you know, or taking that risk, there's confidence in that momentum. There's confidence. It's like a again, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. If I hesitate, then I lose, right? But if I at least take a risk, let's see where this goes. And even if I maybe maybe I stumble, maybe I strike out. If but the fact that I stepped up to the plate. I wasn't afraid to, to break a barrier. You know, you think about it, right? And we were, we're, if we're breaking barriers, and, and when we came to this earth, the first barrier we broke was when we were born. Sure. Right? Right. That was a nice, comfortable place. Who wanted to leave there? But guess what? Life happened on the outside. And that's what happens in everything that it is that we're doing. It is always on the outside of that barrier. So what barriers do you need to, to bust through? and break nice and you know we've been talking a lot about the individual the you know, leadership of self and you know, my personal role in the process of understanding what my internal dialogue is and, and how i can affect that but let's take it into more of a, the professional environment what i'd like to know from you because you you know you've written the book um you know beyond the close which is image and presence and and I, I really enjoy learning more about this because professionalism and um, you know corporate culture and what people should wear to work and not wear to work, all of these things are changing because we're operating in different ways now, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what used to be professional um, today is considered different now, and so I'm, or, or yesterday is considered different now. So I'm trying to understand what is professional, professionalism all about to you? Well, yeah, that's a big question. That's a deep question, and, and but right. it's a very important question, right? Because professionalism is, there's a couple things. It's our word, doing, saying something and then doing it. So it's integrity. Professionalism is integrity. So if you say you're going to do something, you follow through and you do it. That is one very strong key. Professionalism is being in the moment 
and being there and being present. Now, as, as we talk about clothes, one of the biggest things with regard to professionalism and clothing is that the fit be right, not too tight, not too loose, and also that it's in good shape. The clothing, whatever clothing that it is you're wearing, that it's in good shape. There are also statistics that show the longer the hemline, the higher the neckline, the fuller the bottom line. (laughs) I like it. So, So the more clothes that you wear, the more skin that is covered, the more successful, if you attribute success to income, will be yours. And the reason for that is that the message, the messenger is the most important person. And our clothes are always broadcasting. We're always broadcasting in our actions, our nonverbals, in our tone, in our clothing. All of these things are always broadcasting. But what gets lost sometimes is people will look at the clothes instead of the person. So if we rule out the the getting lost in looking at the clothes and then we hear the messenger, that's where we make the deepest connection. And so professionalism is again understanding that 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 it's me inside who is the main messenger and not the trappings that that I have. And sometimes we have to do some things to get that message to the next level. I mean, we we have to um, show up in the space that's um, fit for the environment. So if we're attending a conference, right, we have to maybe we're in, um, you know, work from home. We have jeans and T-shirts or we're on site at a property, wherever we might be working. We have a culture of where we are. Does it change based on where you go as a professional I mean, if, if it, close. It, it does, it, it does to, to a degree. And, and part of it becomes what your brand is and what you're known for. Right. So Mark Zuckerberg, you know, he, his life is a hoodie mostly, but quite frankly, when he's pitching someone for some major money, he is smart. If he wears a jacket, a jacket is so key because what happens with a jacket is there's a perception from the other person, but more importantly, what's going on inside. Inside, as we talk about inside out, when I put on a jacket, that that tells me psychologically that I am going the extra mile or I'm, I'm here to work. And when I take off my jacket, and I do this all the time when I'm speaking to a live audience, I will take off my jacket And I show them, and it is so visible that once you take off your jacket, you lose 50% of your perceived authority. Mm. 50%. So just by removing the jacket. And that's from the audience, or does that affect you internally? Like, does it lower your game? Or it, it, it does. It does. It can lower your game. Again, it comes down to what's your purpose. And that's, that's one of the things when I, you know, when I wrote the book and I really hit hard on this and one of the things that I teach and I train on is keep coming back to what is your why and what is your purpose. So for instance, you talk about being on a site or a construction site. You're probably not going to be wearing a jacket there unless you've got to meet someone that, you know, maybe, maybe you have a venture capitalist that is looking and you're trying to sell him on the idea of your project. So even though you're still going out to your construction site, you might want to just throw throw a jacket over a, a polo shirt or whatever. 
again, just giving that a little, that will make you feel like you've got a little bit of an edge, but they're going to see that, you know what, this person, they, they mean business and they brought their best, they brought their best selves here and they bought their, they brought their best game. And if you will, it's the uniform, quite frankly, of, of making a good positive first professional impression. I just, I'm a really big believer in the jacket for men and women. And I've lived and I live, I live currently in a hot, hot place, but I've lived in hot places in South Florida and Miami. And no matter where I went, if I thought I was meeting someone new for the first time, I'd grab that jacket out of my car. You know, it's 90 degrees with hundred percent humidity, but I go in always for that first impression. Now, Again, once we've made that connection and it comes back down to what my purpose is, I may not need to wear that jacket all the time. I get, I may get to take it off for a minute. So that, those are just, that's just one tool with regard to professionalism. And I'm, I'm just a really big believer of the jacket. Right. And so you mentioned some things earlier about that first impression, you know, that you, we don't have the time and, 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 um, you know, it's, it's, you know, thinking quick on our feet is important because we might not get another opportunity. And so when, when we're live and in person, we have that first impression. What, what about online? How does this translate into an online impression? Do you cover any of that in your book or how people I, can build that brand? I do. I talk about, again, it's the clothing that you put on. What makes you feel like you're going to be the most productive or the most creative? Again, what is your purpose? When I wrote the book, when I knew I needed to get a lot of writing done, I stepped up my dress even for that in being the most productive that I could. And it was interesting. For years, I've worked in corporate America and I've worked in different settings extremely. And I worked in a high tech company, which basically they kept telling me, Linda, you dress too nice. You dress, you know, I'm so, and so I tried to kind of step down. Because there's, again, the ability to fit in as well. But still, what I noticed was when I really needed to perform, I had to just step up my game, which to them was very formal. But it was also very interesting when when this organization would have big clients appear, there would be this mass email. And what was, again, interesting is that the productivity changed based on what people were wearing. So... You know, the fact that they didn't wear flip-flops that day or they wore, you know, a button, a button-down shirt instead of a t-shirt with words on it. So the, all these things make an impact. Not, And I'm not downing casual environments, not saying that there's not a place for them. And, and certain businesses, that's just, the, you know, that's what is most required for them and for them to be professional. But you can still step up your professional view, if you will, or what you're broadcasting by just stepping up your dress just even a little bit from, and you're going to show that you're serious about your career. You're going to, you're going to put forward that, you know, I'm here to do business and you can trust me. And that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day is people buy people. And who do we feel the most comfortable with that are really going to take take the role that we need them to take or take us, you know, take us to the home plate, if you will, around and, and hit that home run. Sure, sure. So living in this fast paced, go, go, go world, you know, what do you have any tips that we can use to sort of stay energized? 
Well, one of the best. I mean, tests just, that let I me know. let me back it up a little bit. Does that affect? Sort of. I, I know we talked a lot about clothes and what to wear and that kind of stuff. But that professionalism is really your message. How does that inter, you know being energized affect all of that professional approach? Bringing your best self to to every experience that you're at is is really key. And one of the best ways that I know to stay energized is to drink a lot of water, <laughs> a lot of water. Uh, think about it. If you when you get tired or you start getting dehydrated, right? The minute you start refueling your body, just even with water, so having a glass of water near and drinking a lot of water throughout the day is one of the best things that I know with regard to staying energized. Working out, getting light, getting some natural light, those are other big keys in staying energized. And also, quite frankly, cutting People out of your life that suck your energy yes. out is a great way to stay energized. And that may seem, sound really cruel, but it's about setting boundaries and understanding the people that are drawing the positive energy out of you so that you can make that change. Again, you always have a choice. Right. I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona, so I get plenty of light and I have to drink <laughs> a lot of water. And, and I Honestly, I didn't drink as much water until I moved here, so it's that's a good sign. So <laughs> I can definitely appreciate that. So, all right. So, tell me a little bit more about um, this book you wrote, Beyond the Clothes, and, and I'm inspired to know what what approach you took to write it, or even what inspired you to write it. Uh, I had this dream a long, t um, long, long time ago. Actually, it started. It started when I was working with an international association, and I was traveling from city to city. I was the what I call the first contact. If if you're familiar with Star Trek, and that first contact, I was always the first contact. I was the first impression that the individuals that would sign up and they would spend ten, fifteen thousand dollars a week to go through this training between opportunity costs and their and their expenses and registration and materials and you know all the like. So I was the first person that they would meet. So I was first contact of the association and the goal was was to create these lifelong members. And through that experience, I'm a big believer in service and customer service and providing and going and creating raving fans. And I was in Detroit with a group, and oftentimes I'd have these group of, of attendees follow me to dinner. As you know, most people would be there alone. And so basically I'd throw out, hey, I'm going to be in the lobby at such and such a time. If you want to meet for dinner, come on. And so we'd end up with a group. We'd never know how many. And we would just we would go to dinner. Well, we were in Detroit, and we were at this restaurant. And we were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for our food. And it was, <laughs> it was probably a good, good 45 minutes, an hour for our food finally to come. Wow. And, I, and people were getting agitated. And I was trying to, again, stay really positive and everything. Well, when they finally came with the first plate of food, it was cold. And I was really upset. And the server basically made the comment, I don't blame you. And, and I would talk to the manager right there. And I had mentioned to one of the gentlemen that, that were in the group, I said, okay, you do that because I'm an extremely non-confrontational person. And anyway, they said, okay, great. You know, so we, we got up to leave and 
to walk out. Well, there was something about the energy of me getting up out of my chair. I had all this anger, embarrassment. Right. I was just upset. And well, I ended up walking over to the, the manager and giving him a piece of my mind. And that was so not like me. And then we walked out. We, you know, we didn't pay for the appetizers that we'd eaten. And, and we walked out. I gave my piece of mind and I've got this group cheering me. And I was embarrassed, quite frankly. Mm. I was embarrassed because I let that situation, I let rage take over instead of me controlling how I communicated. Now, some would say, well, but you, you did the right thing. You stood up for them. But internally, I knew that I had let myself down. Mm. And that, quite frankly, was the impetus of, of that. And, and because my experience around hotels and convention centers and airlines and, you know, flying thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of miles and trips and meeting thousands and thousands and thousands of people and being on and serving and experiencing that. And that's really kind of what put the, the niche in my head to do this. But it really came back to growing up, comparing myself, and I have a wonderful family, but I am number five of seven children, comparing myself to my, to some, some of my siblings. And then if early on in my teens, I came across a multi-level marketing company that sold, that sold makeup. And I somehow talked my parents into buying this $250 makeup kit and that I went <laughs> to this class and, but in that class, this woman taught us about the product, but more than that, she taught us what was possible for each one of us. And all of a sudden, mm. it was like I began to see who that three-year-old Linda was and what the possibilities were. So I, that's why the message had to come out. And that's, so image touches all these different aspects. And in all my, in all my research, I find that there's 15 different areas that we're broadcasting our image. And I go pretty heavily in several of them in the book, but all of these we're always broadcasting. And what's very fascinating to me is we broadcast out, but whatever we put out actually comes back and then generates what we put back out again. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's this never ending cycle. So that's kind of a long story, Patrick, about the book and kind of how it erupted. But I just felt like it was really important to get the message out with regard to, to self-image, to professionalism, to mentoring those on your team to help for you to help pull out the, the best in them and the reason that you hired them. But quite frankly, to, to grow our bottom line and whether that bottom line is income or happiness, that all these things impact that. I love it. I, I love, you know, what's coming to us is coming from us. This idea of always broadcasting and, you know, we're in, we have more ways to broadcast than we've ever had. And we're, com we're making those adjustments in, in, in our personal lives and in our professional lives as well. Linda, are there any other, it's just been a joy uh, spending the time with you here. And are there any other lasting thoughts you want to leave our listeners with? We get what we focus on. And so if you want to change whatever is going on in your world, you got to change your focus. So if you're leading a team, 
focus on what they're doing well and start telling them what it is they're doing really well and continue to tell them what it is they're doing really well. And you still have to work on those things that they're not doing so well. But if you're focused on that, you're going to begin to see a shift and there's going to be more trust. So that would be one that I would say. But to the individual, you know, get rid of that negative self-talk and really embrace who it is you are and, and step to your strengths. And again, focus on what your strengths are. That's some great advice, Linda. Thank you for being with us today. It's been an honor, Patrick. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you. you. Yes, thank you. If you get a few moments, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes or on your own favorite platform. This helps others discover our program, and it tells us that we are doing a good job. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the Multifamily Leadership Podcast. For show notes and other resources, visit multifamilyleadership.com.